The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Medtronic. Medtronic is dedicated to the pursuit of life-transforming health tech. From AI to robotics and beyond, we're reinventing what's possible, and we're just getting started. Visit Medtronic.com to learn more. Hey, listeners. Thanks for joining us today. Lee and I are working behind the scenes on a fun project for LinkedIn, and we'll be taking a break from recording a new episode this week. We pulled out an old episode to share with you today, one that has been highly downloaded and positively reviewed. You can find us back here with our regular programming on July 19th. We're sharing our episode on the power of coaching. As coaches, we're constantly working with people who want to improve and transform. And coaching has a specific skill set that anyone can learn through continued practice. Its magic works in situations where friends, colleagues, or even you feel stuck. I love a good self-coaching moment. In this episode, you'll learn about what coaching is and what it is not, including the most important skills for being a great coach. You'll hear an unscripted coaching session between the two of us, really getting a feel for putting these skills into action. And hopefully you will walk away with a greater understanding of the power behind talking less and listening more. We'll see you on the other side. How can you listen more and talk less? Hey, listeners, welcome to In the Arena. I'm Jackie Goldberg. And I'm Leah Smart. And today we're going to be talking about something that we were both quite surprised we hadn't talked about yet, which is coaching. And it's really at the heart of a lot of things. It's what brought Jackie and I together as friends and as podcast co-hosts. We both kind of got to coaching for different reasons and at different points in our life. But it's been the, the reason and the genesis for our podcast and our time together and a lot of what's contributed to our personal and professional growth. And so we thought today it would be relevant for a couple reasons. One is a lot of leaders out there are trying to figure out what skills they need to bring in to, you know, work with their direct reports, peers, colleagues during a time where things are unsettled and uncertain and well-being has become such a big part of our lives and our focus, even professionally. And then also, you know, we wanted to bring this in because we both believe that anybody can bring skills of listening more and talking less to have better conversations and improve their relationships, whether it be personal or professional. Yeah, coaching really is a skill that anyone can acquire. And it's really a skill that can be applicable to any relationship. And at work, you know, we've been talking about coaching a lot, especially in in my department these days, because we know that when managers are a great coach, their team members feel more empowered, they take more risks, they're more creative, and they ultimately perform better. So we see it in the workplace. And Leah, I'm interested, when you found out about coaching, like when was the first time you learned about the skill of coaching or what a coach is? And then how did you decide that you wanted to become one? So that's a great question. And you got me thinking back, back, back. So Marie Forleo was the first introduction I had to the idea of life coaching or coaching in general. She's been doing this for a number of years. And I've always been intrigued by Marie, but I didn't really do anything about it. I just kind of, it was sitting in the background for a while. I'd say my early twenties was when I found out about Marie Forleo. 
And then I decided to hire a life coach in 2017. I was ready to make a career move and, and just, you know, had gone through a major transition in a physical move also across the country. And I hired a life coach and she was really instrumental in helping me make some decisions I needed to make career wise. Still didn't really get what she was up to. Didn't really like, you know, now that I know the skills, I, I, I recognized some of what she was doing and it intrigued me. And I was kind of like, huh, this could be an interesting path. And then it really hit me with uh, someone who's now a, a friend tour, a friend and a mentor named Jenna uh, in 2017, who is an executive coach. And she'd come into LinkedIn to do a session. And I was really intrigued by the work she was doing. And I remember looking at her uh, doing this session for a program I was running. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And I just like, I just knew and I didn't know how I was going to get there or what was going to happen, but I knew it was what I wanted to do. And I didn't even really know why, to be honest, it was intuitive. So this hasn't been like a life goal of mine. I think it really had to do with a lot of personal transformation that I was at the start of. And then, you know, it, 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 I went up to her afterwards and said, how do I do what you're doing? She said, let's talk. Mm. And she was the person who sort of laid the path out for me. And then, you know, I took a few steps on that path and it just continued to open up because I, I know it's the right thing for me to be doing. So yeah, early twenties, ignored it for a while, had a coach sort of interested. And then, you know, I think things happen at the right time. So Jenna. Yeah. Yeah. And you also um, mentioned life coach and executive coaching. And I think that, you know, coaching is a skill and we're going to talk about some of the skills that go into being a coach that you all can take away um, but you also hear terms like career coach and executive coach and life coach. And I'm curious if you can describe the difference to our listeners of across yeah. some of these facets. Yeah, the coaching program I was trained with, I think, was really powerful because it gave us incredible skills that can be applied in different environments with a mix of your own outside knowledge when needed. So, you know, oftentimes you hear like executive coach, career coach versus life coach. And, you know, people hold the executive coach higher than the life coach. It simply isn't true. It's that we're all using these skills and applying them in different areas, sometimes because it's an area you're drawn to, sometimes because you have expertise. So as a, an executive coach or career coach, you might bring in other tools or frameworks that are relevant to career development or professional development that you wouldn't bring in as a life coach. But I think the beauty of coaching is it doesn't put you in a box. It's not like going to college and picking your major and you can only do the thing in that major, which we all know. Well, actually, maybe that is a good example because nobody does what they major in. Uh, but it's it's really like getting really nice foundation and choosing how you'll apply it based on where you're drawn and the skills that you have. So all of those titles, you know, I tend to find people get freaked out by life coach or they think it's hokey or woo woo. It's not. People who are trained as executive coaches are doing exactly the same thing that life coaches are doing. They're just doing it a little bit differently and making it feel a little more special. But the truth is, it's the same thing being applied all over the place in different circumstances. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, we are who we are and everything about us is interconnected. And so my study of coaching is actually around um, ontology, which is the study of being. So when you look at a human being, right, it is who we are. And so when you look at coaching someone to who they are, it's really getting into 
the root of the person, right? Looking at what those defense mechanisms are, looking at what those fears are, those shadows, their blocks, and removing them to open up your true authentic self to allow you to then be a great wife, a great professional, a great sister, right? And and in everything you do in life is just better because you're coming from this very authentic place. So you're exactly right. You know, executive coaching typically taking place in the workplace and working with, you know, CEOs or director plus levels. But at the end of the day, some of the things that may be blocking them are really very similar to what you would be coaching around um, someone who hired, you know, an, an, an individual life coach, That's right. so to speak. We're all just humans. It just so happens that some humans have a title. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that, that doesn't make them any different. They deal with the same things at every level. So if we were to define coaching, you know, I, you know, you and I would look at coaching as the process of meeting people and their desires, their goals and their challenges to help them identify what is important to them. So really understanding what is their underlying why and then what actions that they can take to make it happen. For me, one of the things I love about coaching is that it's future forward thinking. You're you're creating the life that you want. You're creating life by design. And so with coaching comes action steps, right? Like what am I going to do? So I love to say this to my clients. You know, if there's no gap, there's no coaching, right? So if I'm at point A and I want to get to point B, there's a gap. And so a coach can help you understand what is blocking you from getting to point A to B, B, help you understand for your own desires what solutions work for you by applying some of these skills like listening and powerful questioning to help you bridge that gap. But if there's no gap, there's no coaching, right? Not everybody needs a coach at every point in their life, but a coach can help you in so many ways, really uncover things about yourself and move to where you want to be. By applying action items to a coaching session, you are holding yourself accountable. And one thing that's great about a coach is that they hold you accountable as well, right? Because you have your next session coming up and it helps you actually make moves and like move the needle on whatever you're trying to do. I actually came across life coaching when I was 19, when I was in college and I was researching jobs that I can do with my psychology major. And I came across what a life coach was. And I was like, wow, this sounds amazing. It's someone who's really inspiring others to learn about themselves and reach their highest potential and do great things in the, in this world. And I just loved it. It was so inspiring and motivating to me. And that was when I actually decided that life coaching would be something that I took up in my life when the time was right. But, you know, a lot of times people don't necessarily understand the difference between coaching and teaching and mentoring and consulting and therapy. There are all these terms. And I'm wondering if it'd be helpful for us to maybe go through some of these. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and and I, I love that you, I mean, you found this in your, in your late teens. And I remember the story you share about your dad saying like, Jackie, you can't be a life coach yet. You don't have any life experience. That's right. (laughs) That's right. And I, and I listened to him and I went into corporate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you know what? And then it came back around. I mean, the, the, and the beauty of the, the funny thing about what he said, and it makes perfect sense that he would say it, but the beauty of once you become a coach, I think part of it is the confidence of having some life experience that really does help. But in reality, you don't have to have experienced anything that the person you're working with is experiencing because it's not about the topic. It's about what's really going on for them, which is to your point back to the 
what's happening in their lives. How are they being and how do they want to be that's different? And then you come back with the doing of what's important for them based on based on that. Uh, I will say too, Jackie, like I've had people and I myself, you know, action items are incredibly important. And there's also some serious learning when you don't do it. And so I really love to sit with people and I've sat with myself of like, why am I not doing this thing? And so like the the coach gives this space for you to dig deeper into what's really going on for you and not always just kicking your butt. It's just, it's like, well, let's just sit with the problem. Yeah, no, that's right. And you said something very key is that it's not about the story or the that specific content of the story. It's actually about the context. So what is happening underneath? What is the real meaning around what is going on? Most likely, whatever someone is facing in a specific story or the content of the story, they've faced before. It's it's happened before, right? There's a pattern. And so it's really trying to get underneath that to rip it all up so you can really get that insight. That is one of my other favorite things about coaching is is getting that aha moment in a coaching session, that insight where someone's like, wow, I never looked at it that way. I never saw it that way. It gives people a whole new perspective around how they're operating in this world. And yeah. so I, I I love that. You um you bring up a, a funny point, which is our our coaching program. So for those of you listening, there are thousands of coaching programs out there. If you're thinking about doing coaching in a in a longer or more formal context, we can totally help recommend. But I'd say, and I'm sure you'd say too, like do your research. There's a few programs that are really really powerful, and I think Jackie and I both were were part of those. But the funny thing is, uh, our programs are very different. So you know, Jackie's program I think has a lot more structure to it, where mine was kind of open and just like. Oh, and I, and I think it actually speaks really well to both of our personalities. Like, I actually think you would have hated my program and I don't think I would have liked yours <laughs> because yours is a lot of, a lot more structured. And like you mentioned, like, you know, having the aha moment, my moment when I know I'm doing good coaching is when someone starts crying. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> like, so it's just like, they're just different. But anyways, Jackie, why don't you tell everybody what's the difference between coaching and mentoring and all these other things? That it gets? Well, you know, it's funny because with clients, Clients, I'll always talk about the difference between coaching, consulting, and therapy, because that's typically you'd pay someone to do those things, right? But in the workplace, we often talk about the difference between coaching, teaching, and mentoring. So let me start there. So teaching is when, you know, you are literally showing someone how to do something. You are showing them whatever that task is. Mentoring is using your past experience and sharing your past experience to advise someone on where they're at, right? So you're really giving, it's almost like giving advice. You're, you're, you're sharing that past experience. Coaching is actually just listening to the challenge that someone is having and asking powerful questions to get them to come up with, with their own solution. So you are not advising, you're not sharing your, your past experience. You're not showing them how to do something. Now within a coaching session, those things may come out, right? You may say to a coachee, can I share my opinion with you? Or can I share a past experience? Or let me share a past experience right now with you that may help you in thinking through something. But you are calling it out as something different than coaching. Coaching is not about you know giving advice. And what's so funny, Leah, and I know we've spoken about this in the past, is that in both of our programs on day one, you know, we'd go around and say, why did you want to be a coach? And why did you sign up for this program? And so many people, including me, including you, 
said, you know, I'm, I'm that person in my friends group that people come to or my friends come to or my siblings come to to ask for advice. And I'm just really good at giving advice and just like sharing my wisdom and so forth. And that is not what coaching is like. It comes into play, of course, at times, but that is not what coaching is. So when you look at coaching versus consulting and therapy, consulting is I'm an expert and I'm coming in to understand what your problem is, go back to my desk, put together a solution and hand it to you and say, here's what I think you should do. That is consulting. Now, when you think about therapy, therapy is past-based. So you're really looking back into your childhood. You're looking back into past behaviors and really dissecting and understanding what is causing a certain you know, way of being in the present. Therapists diagnose, right? So um, as a coach, you know, we are not licensed professionals to diagnose anxiety or depression or anything, but we are, you know, held to understand when we think our coachee may need to be referred to a therapist. We, we need to have an eye for, for kind of catching that. Coaching is present-based and then looking into the future. So really understanding what's going on now and listening and asking powerful questions to help person get from that point A to that point B. It is creating the life that you desire. Now in coaching, we may go back into the past sometimes. So for example, if you know something is happening in current day, I may ask my coachee, has this have you seen this show up in the past, right? Have you have you had situations where this has come up in the past to really just understand if there's a pattern there that needs to be broken, but it is not really understanding, you know, how their parents were and going back into childhood. And then again, we don't diagnose. So that's kind of the way that I, you know, approach differentiating between these things. But I think it's really important because especially in the workplace, and let's take a manager and a ma- and some and an employee or a team member that you're managing, you may go in and out between coaching, teaching and mentoring in a 30 minute session, right? So just being able to understand the difference will really allow you to provide the best support to your person that you're speaking with for whatever they need in that moment. Great. Yeah, I think that's a, a great explanation of, of each of these. I like to think of the, you know, all the descriptions Jackie gave in each one, aside from coaching, the person on the other side is the expert. They are the person who's like, I have the information that you need. As a therapist, I can tell you what I hear is going on with you cognitively. As a consultant, I can tell you what I know you need to do. As a teacher, I tell everybody how to do this. So I'm going to tell you. As a mentor, I've already done it. And so I'm going to tell you. The only relationship that stands out differently is coaching because I look at it as two people looking at a puzzle and they need to put the puzzle together together. So in in my program, we talk about this as co-creating. Everybody has to show up to the table at 100%. It's just that as a coach, I'm not showing up with any extra extra information. I'm just showing up as a kind of guide to help someone understand what's important to them and then create uh, what they want to create based on the meaning for them and the impact their lives will experience based on them actually taking action and understanding more about themselves. And there are certain aspects or criteria that a coach needs to come into a coaching relationship with, just as a coachee needs to come into a coaching relationship with. But on the coach's side and this is just like a standard, you know, across the board is to believe wholeheartedly believe that people are naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. If you as a coach are coming into a coaching session and you don't believe that about your coachee, you will never 
help them get to the place that they need to get to because you don't believe in them being naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. There needs to be that belief to appropriately coach someone, right? And then, and that is just like a huge piece of being there for someone else, I'd say. Well, and that, that belief, just to break that down, someone being naturally creative, resourceful, and whole means they don't need you. There's not someone, something to be fixed or broken that you have to fix. Kind of like the reason Jackie and I talked about people come to become a coach is like, I'm great at giving advice. How many times have you given advice as a leader, a friend, a partner, and walked away and gone, I did a great job. I'm amazing at giving advice. That's not what the coach does. The coach believes that you don't need their advice. And in fact, I mean, if you think about it, when somebody gives you advice, how often do you really take it? Most of the time you don't. And when you do, if it's not the action you actually want to take, you set up a situation where someone could resent you, where they didn't do what was true for them and they betrayed themselves. And so what you want to do as a coach is lead people to the truth, which is they are wholly able to decide how to move forward in their lives. And they are the expert on themselves. You are not the expert. Yeah, great point. And also, I remember, you know, learning and I, this always has stuck with me, like as coaches, we are not looking to fix problems. That is not what this is about. There, there are no problems to be fixed. We are really helping guide someone towards being their best self. Like that is really what it is. There's no, nothing is a problem. No one needs fixing. It's, it's more so helping them get in touch with who they are, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think there's, so, you know, there are a number of circumstances where coaching or coaching skills can come into play. And so Jackie and I as coaches have clients that we work with who, you know, come to us and, you know, say, I've got this, they put it on the table, but it doesn't like necessarily have to be like that. You can actually coach someone or bring coach like skills in a few different circumstances. And what we found, and we were, we were talking through, you know, what are the reasons that you'd coach someone? It kind of all comes back to being stuck something has got you stuck. And so you're sitting with it. And unfortunately, you or fortunately, you're not able to move forward in a way that makes sense for you. And so you need to actually take a deeper look at something to decide how you want to move forward. And back to what 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 uh, Jackie said about coaching, there's a gap, right? There's typically a gap, there's a point A where I am, there's a point B where I need to get, and I'm stuck, I'm not there yet, I need to take a deeper look, and then I need to create some action steps. So you know, when someone's stuck, is a great point to think about bringing in some coaching skills, which we'll talk about and Jackie shared earlier with powerful questions. And so, you know, what we're going to do is do a little bit of a demo for you all to show you what coaching looks like with a real topic. So I'm going to coach Jackie on a real topic for her. One of the things that is really important with coaching is it's got to be a real authentic topic. And typically you wanted to have a charge. Like when I think of the importance of a charge, it's, it's, it's got to matter. So, you know, if I think of a scale of one to 10, you know, chili pepper charge, I think it needs to be somewhere around a five at least. So it needs to have some, some meaning for you. And the other thing is, you know, in a coaching conversation or in a moment you decide to ask another question, it doesn't mean that you're going to get this person to a perfect end and wrap them up in a bow and they're going to be good to go. I personally, I'm sure you too, Jackie, have left sessions where I've left people just crying 
Like we've gotten off the phone and they're just crying. And that's okay. Because again, we have to believe that people are whole enough to figure out a next step, to pull themselves back together and to move forward. So really important. If you're still going, I don't know when to coach, take a moment and notice when you're about to give advice. And instead of giving advice, ask a question. Yes. Yes. I love, I was going to double down on two things you said. And one of them was that exactly that exact point, because you, you said it like we are both coaches. So we have people who are coming to us and asking, you know, or have a challenge and we're coaching them through it, but you can be a coach to anyone, a friend, a sibling, a parent. Right. And so it's exactly to your point is how can you flip it on its head? The other thing that I see people do often, in, especially in the workplace, is the coach has the answer or they think that they have the answer and they ask questions to lead the person to get to that answer. That is not coaching. As a coach, we don't have all the answers, right? We, we, you had said this before, we are not experts. So even if we think, if we think we have the answer, then say, then don't coach, right? Then give them the answer, right? If, if there's one clear answer, give them the answer. If there's a myriad of, of answers, then coach someone to come up with the answer that best works for them, right? So that's kind of the differentiation there. I do see a lot of mistakes happening when, when coaches try and lead someone to get to some to someplace. Yeah. And and I will say like, just a, just an aside for anyone who's thinking about using these tools, don't define yourself as a coach until you've gone through a program. Right now, what we're sharing with you is how to bring more coach-like skills, right, into a conversation. That's right. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Great. All right. So Jackie decided to go on the hot seat and we'll we'll see how it goes. I have no idea where what the direction is going to be. So she's going to share a topic and we're going to do a quick coaching and then uh, share a couple of the skills that we walked through so you all can get a sense of how you can bring this into your everyday life. So Jackie, what is on your mind? So, you know, something that I think that I do well, but then there are moments where I really feel like I don't do it well is finding balance in my life. So juggling, you know, a day job, juggling a life coaching practice on the side with my relationship with my family and my friends and my health, you know, working out and cooking and eating well and, and my hobbies and all the personal stuff that is so critical to my life. I, I'm finding right now that, you know, I'm definitely in this, you know, cycle of overwhelm, right, where I am trying to find the balance by shutting off work and and going into my personal life at the end of the day. But then I do feel like I'm not doing anything extremely well, right? I'm not showing up at work 100% to the my capability, or even if I am to other people, I feel like I'm not doing it right for myself. Or I'm, you know, ordering in instead of cooking, because I'm slacking on eating healthy that day. Like, so even though I'm, I feel like I'm managing the finding balance, I don't feel like I'm doing anything really well. And that's where I feel stuck. And like, maybe it's a time thing, you know, maybe it's, 
you know, I, I don't want to say I don't have enough time because it's like, I, I just know time is an illusion. Like you, you, you create time for what's important to you. But I, I, that's kind of where I'm, where I am right now is like, I want to be doing everything really well. And I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, you know, finding the balance between all of it. Mm, great. Thanks for sharing that. So is the topic finding balance or is the topic I need to be doing everything well? And how can I do that? Can it be both? (laughs) (laughs) How about this? Which one's, which one's more resonant for you right now? I guess finding balance because balance would mean that I'm okay and accepting wherever I'm at with everything else. Okay, great. So finding balance. Got it. And you said, you said at the beginning, nobody could see her eyebrows, but you said, I think I do balance well. And her eyebrows went up. So I'm, I'm curious about exploring that. But first, I just want to know, like, what, what is balance to you? Calm, like feeling calm, feeling like making space or like having time for all aspects of my life, like the ones I mentioned before, and feeling good about all aspects of my life, like feeling, you know, again, like calm, calmness and joy in, in everything and, and feeling like I'm having that throughout. Mm. So balance is about calm. You said that twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about what else balance gives you? I think like equanimity. Is that? I guess that is just like a synonym for balance. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess a sense of peace mm-hmm. and fulfillment. Fulfillment. Okay. And you named all of these different things when you were sharing, like, I want to have balance, my hobbies, my relationships, my work, my cooking, my all of this stuff, right? Like, you, it, I felt like you were balancing 30 different things. Like, I imagine 30 spinning plates above your head. That didn't sound very calm. Well, that's, that's the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Locating the calm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me like when you, when you're with, when you're thinking about balance and you're living in balance and you're, you know, you feel really calm in this place. If you could think back to a moment, what's happening in your life? I guess things feel still like they're not moving so fast. And you also mentioned like, I want to be able to do everything really well. Like I need to, how do I do everything really well? What role does that play in balance? I think it's being present, right? Like I think being present in any given moment will allow me to do what I'm doing in that moment well and not think about all the other things, right? I think that's where I get stuck is like managing the other things while I'm in the present moment. So those things pull you out of the present moment. Right, and then I feel like I'm not, giving my all to whatever I'm doing at at that time. Yeah. So the image is like, instead of 30 spinning plates, you just want one spinning plate at a time. Maybe it's not even spinning. Yeah. I want one still plate. (laughs) One still plate. (laughs) Awesome. Right. Great. So one still plate from 30 spinning plates. And what I'm hearing too, is like, we went from, from balance to calm. Well, we actually talked about doing everything really well. And then balance and then calm and now presence. And I'm, I'm curious, is presence a value of yours or what, what value are we circling here? If not presence? I think it's calm. Calm is the value. Like peace. Yeah. Peace. Got it. What's important about peace for you? 
I feel like when I'm at peace, whatever is happening is okay. Like it doesn't, the circumstances don't matter. Like I can get through anything because I'm at peace. Mm. So you can look at anything happening. Like I almost imagined you standing in this world of like, I mean, New York (laughs) chaos generally, and you're just sort of this still stillness. Right. So anything can be happening and you're just, you're just still. That's the goal. That's the goal. Got it. Can you talk more about why that goal is important? I guess it, there's a sense of strength there, like for me, like I feel strong and I feel, I guess, peace, having a sense of peace brings me fulfillment regardless what I'm doing. So you can be doing anything. And if you're at peace, you're fulfilled. Yeah. That's what's coming to me right now. What is like, what is peace allow you to do for yourself? Accept anything. Accept anything. Yeah. So sort of like, I don't know, I'm, I'm a very visual person. So I imagine you like open, like when you're in peace, you're kind of just open. Yeah. So I, I think it's bringing me back to like with anything that comes my way, if it's, you know, 30 spinning plates, I can accept the reality of what's going on and know that it's okay. Cause I'm at peace and like the job will get done. It'll be done well. Like it'll be fine. Right. Like, so that's the ultimate goal is to be in that state all the time so that as things again come my way, I'm able to be with it. Yeah. And when you're in the state of peace and 30 things can come your way and you're just in this calm, you, I, okay, so now you're calmly somehow spinning 30 plates <laughs> because you're at peace. How does that allow you to be for others in your life? Calm for them. Right. So when they're spinning other plates, I can show up for them, model for them what it can be like if you allow it to not take over. So you're modeling for them. And are are you spinning any of their plates or are you? No, I'm not taking on their stuff. You're not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're keeping your plates and you're going to show them how to. I got spin. enough plates spinning. All right. <laughs> okay, great. Cool. Okay. So you're modeling for them. And so then you become for these other people, a great model for what it means to be calm and at peace and be okay and open with whatever's coming their way. Yes. That's beautiful. Awesome. So tell me, you know, this is like the, this is like the dream Jackie, right? Like she's showing up at peace. She's calm. Tell me what the challenge is for you now. How do I put that into action? Hmm. How do you put that into action? Where is it missing? During the workday when I have 30 (laughs) plates spinning (laughs) and I'm trying to grab a hold of them. Yeah. What's it like when you know you have these 30 plates during the workday? What's that like for you? Overwhelming sometimes. Mm -hmm. And what else? There's, there's definitely positive aspects to it, right? Like at the end of every day, I do gratitude and I am always grateful for my job. Like mm-hmm. every single day, grateful for my job. I'm grateful to be busy, to be working with amazing people, to, be, to feel like I'm making an impact on others' lives. Like, so there's a lot of benefits to that, right? Because if I wasn't, if I wasn't spending 30 plates during the workday, I'd probably be complaining that I was bored. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so these are good plates. And, so then I'd pro- and then I'd probably be needing to get coached on finding more fulfillment in my day job. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Jackie is actually a circus performer. She knows how to spin on 30 plates and it's a good thing. <laughs> this is a positive thing. Great. So we we don't actually dislike all these plates. It's just how do you put into action finding, refinding your piece? Yeah. And it's not getting caught up in the plates, right? It's seeing them, but not like getting caught up in them, allowing them to kind of be and, and, and knowing and accepting that it's all okay. And it'll all be okay. Like there's nothing to stress about. There's like, that's kind of the mindset that I want. That's the state that I want to be in all like as much as possible. Mm-hmm. What do you do to get yourself present normally? It's easier when I'm talking to someone. Cause like when I'm speaking with someone and sometimes like I'll have a thought or like my mind will go elsewhere. I'm, I'm because I meditate every day. I've, I've been really accustomed to like bringing my thoughts back to the present and like just being like, no, pay attention. So it's easier when someone else is in front of me. I don't know. I mean, it starts with catching myself when I'm not being present. Mm-hmm. I almost am envisioning like you putting a note up on your desk that just says like, be here now, or like, you know, putting it on your, your phone as a reminder. Yeah. With all these spinning plates, Jackie, I want to ask you, what do you need to say yes to, to recreate this calm? Myself. What's that mean? I guess it's like one of the reasons why I feel like I can get into this state is because I, I do care so much about others. And like, you know, I'm a type two on the Enneagram. I'm very much, you know, thinking about other people, about them, but also about how they perceive me. And like, there's just, it's a lot about others and it's exhausting. So I think that this comes into play a little bit, right? Because I'm, I'm often thinking about like the whole perfection thing, like doing things extremely well, right? Like I know I'm doing things well, but, but in the eyes of someone else, but then when it comes to my own standards, it's a little bit, you know, different, but it's like, I do care about what others are seeing as my, you know, me doing something well, like that, that takes a lot of weight. Right. But then I don't know, but I also do put on myself. So it's kind of different there, but I guess in general, there's a lot of energy that goes into thinking about others and what others think and like balancing for others versus balancing for myself. So when you asked like, what do I need to listen to? Is that say yes to it's like doing, it's like doing things for myself and not for subconsciously what I think will be good for others. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's what's kind of coming up. It sounds like it's about saying yes to your own needs. Right. Yeah. What would that look like? Being okay. Saying no, being okay with things, just not getting done. If, if I just feel like, you know, that's okay to do. Like if I was, obviously I wouldn't drop the ball on like important things, but it's like, recognizing that it's okay not to do everything extremely well, I guess. Right. Yeah. And when you have those moments of like, Oh my gosh, I'm not doing everything extremely well. Cause it's bound to happen. That's like your little, your little inner critic roiling up. What can you do to calm that voice? I think that I can like say to myself, like legitimately say to myself, it's okay. It's okay. Like that, to me, that like actually really resonates. Like, it's okay. It's okay. And like telling myself that, right? Like, because you telling me that or my manager telling me that, like, it's helpful, but like, it really needs to come from within. Yeah. So you're able to just look at all the craziness and go, I'm not, I'm not performing perfectly and it's okay. And it's okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you. 
That was great. Thanks for being so open to being coached. Uh, thank you for being a great coach. I feel a lot better. I feel more at peace. Great. There we go. We're at peace. I love it. So what are you, I'm going to follow up with this. What are you going to do now? Definitely use that inner voice to, to bring myself to calm by saying, it's okay. It's okay. Bring myself to acceptance and peace. Great. And how will I know that you're going to do that? I'll give you a follow-up in a few weeks. <laughs> in a few weeks. Okay, great. Awesome. So that was that was an example of coaching, not knowing where it was going to go, and just kind of following Jackie's lead with what she was saying. Jackie, what was that like for you? You asked some really powerful questions. And now maybe let's do a little bit of teaching here because... Your powerful questions were great because, first of all, they were short, right? And they weren't so much about, like, again, like the content of the story, but more like digging in a little bit deeper to understand the meaning. Like, what does calm mean to you? What um, what does it give you? What's important to you about that? Like, really trying to understand the why behind my challenge of finding balance, right? It wasn't just about, okay, so now maybe you have some action items of, like, looking at your calendar and crossing off, you know, canceling some meetings. It wasn't tactical. It was really about getting deeper to like what the real issue, you know, what the real like issue is and like what the real importance or significance of it. And that was through you asking short, but powerful questions. I also felt like, you know, your curiosity came out, right? Like you were curious and to really understand my perspective and where I was coming from and not making it about yourself at all, right? Like you, it was really just about asking the questions. Definitely felt like there was space there for me to think and look up and come back to you and no interrupting or no like guiding me towards someplace. It was, it felt very natural and like comfortable. Yeah. So there's a a couple skills that Jackie touched on, which were really important. And so, you know, just to, to maybe even clarify on some of these. So as a coach, curiosity is super important. And so sometimes we think we have the answer. And that's again, where you ask yourself, am I about to try to give advice and decide to get a little bit more curious? And the way you do that is through powerful questions. And to Jackie's point, powerful questions are typically short. Most of the time they're open-ended. And most of the time you don't use why. I use why in one question, but I think it wasn't even, it wasn't, you know, abrasive. Sometimes why can come off as a judgment. And so we really want to be clear of, uh, stay clear of that and stay clear of yes or no questions. Typically, sometimes you can toss them in. Something else Jackie mentioned was, you know, it felt spacious. And part of that as a coach is something we call self-management, which is how do I stay silent? We oftentimes think silence is awkward. And so we try to fill it, especially as leaders and in positions where we think people are expecting us to show up and quote unquote lead, which typically means have the answer. Uh, In the corporate world, we talk. But sometimes silence actually for the the coachee allows them to, or all the time, silence lets them think, right? So just let them be with that silence. And what, you know, Jackie also mentioned spaciousness. She didn't sit in silence while I like literally looked at the birds out the window. She sat while I was with her, right? So I sat with her in the silence of letting her, you know, pay attention. One other thing that I, I did or two other things I'll share, which are probably more you, you know, you start to get this as you do this more is one, I called out her eyebrow raise at the beginning. 
<laughs> because she was like, I think, which means there was some sort of doubt in there. Like, I think I'm good at this, but maybe I'm not. Uh, and then the other is I use metaphors. So I'm a very visual person. So when I'm coaching, like, you know, I, I kept using these, like imagining her with her arms open or spinning the plates. And is she spinning other people's plates? Sometimes when you're in coaching conversations, it's a way to help things stick. So for Jackie, it could mean that in a week, she's thinking about if she's spinning 30 plates or not, or how can I spin one plate? So I've given her something, if it resonated, to have to work with. Yeah. No, those are great additional call outs and really, really helpful when thinking about what a good coaching conversation looks like. Yeah. Anything you think I could do better for our listeners and me? I'd say one, you know, it was interesting when you're like, maybe you're like, I'm envisioning like a be here now post it. So that was you like sharing what you think would be good for me to do. And like, in some cases that could have resonated. And if you saw me, I kind of looked up and I was like thinking to myself, is this something that I would do? Right. And I was like, not really. I, so in, in coaching, there's definitely an element of like brainstorming Mm -hmm. action items together, right? Like that's part of it is like, well, what about this? And like seeing what sticks. So I appreciate it. But at the same time, it didn't work for me. So I was like, no, but then I was able to move on to something that did work for me based on your further question. So it wasn't wrong per se, but just a call out is like when you make to our listeners, when you make recommendations, recognize they won't always stick and that's okay. And you can continue brainstorming collectively, like, you know, partnering on that until the coachee comes up with something that works for them. And in this case, it was my voice and, and, and really, and literally saying out loud, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a great call out. So what I was doing was brainstorming and I just threw something out there. And so there's a, there's an element for self-management around coaching, not taking things personally. Like I don't care if Jackie puts a post-it up that says be here now. I care that she gets to what is going to work for her. And so the, the action item for her is, is like she said, it sat with her to say, I'm okay. But sometimes for, as a person who's coming into a coaching conversation or trying to be more coach-like, you've got to get the person going. Like what's something that you can throw out there without worrying if it lands or not, because it will lead them somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. All right. So that's that with coaching for you all. Um, wanted to make sure we shared this with you. It's It's been an incredibly powerful skill tool and now, you know, profession for Jackie and I first personally, and I think our own transformation. And now it continues to be, of course, for us, but then now we can actually help others do the same. So, you know, our goal today, again, was to give you some skills that help you show up a little bit better, where you can talk less and listen more. So thanks for joining us today on the journey. And if you'd like to find more of In the Arena, we are on iTunes. We are on uh, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And you can find our newsletter on LinkedIn. It's In the Arena LinkedIn. And we will see you next time. Have a great day, everyone. Mm-hmm.